grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, 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 welcome to tonight's California Haunts Radio. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. Let me turn this down a little bit. I made some adjustments on my mic, obviously. <laughs> I don't want to blast you guys out. Anyway, I'm going to be your host for the next hour. Um, I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team. You can find our website at www.californiahaunts.org. In the meantime, the radio show's website is californiahauntsradio.com, and you can find all our archives there. In fact, if, 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 if you go into there, because a lot of, some people have trouble finding us on YouTube, if you go into the radio website, you can go to YouTube from there. Now, for those of you guys watching on YouTube tonight, let's do this. Let's work together. I'm looking for more subscribers, and the best way to do that is look down in the right-hand corner of the video, and you will see a little ghost that has a magnifying glass and a Sherlock Holmes hat. Click on that, and that will make you a subscriber so you can stay updated with all the videos that you know that we have on the site. Plus, there's going to be some new videos coming out with some different things, like I want to have a video about how to cleanse houses with sage. Okay, so I'm going to have a how-to video on that. And I'm going to be doing some reviews on products, on, on, on different ghost hunting equipment as well. If you guys are bored in February and you have nothing else to do, and uh, maybe you've got a free weekend, maybe February 19th, 20th, I'm inviting you to the Mystical Minds event. And I'm going to be one of the speakers there. And in addition, Nazir Mohammed Chohan is going to be there. Lorian Fenton, Brad Olson, Michael Fury, Drake Fury, Tiffany Turner, Robin Korak, Beth Salomon, and Shannon DeFlorentino. We're all going to be there speaking, and that will be the 19th and 20th of February. And the Mystical Minds Convention is not only about Mystical Minds. Well, it is. It's, it's a combination. It's a, it's a combination paranormal, pagan, and metaphysical event. So come on down and visit us. And uh, looking forward to meeting some of you guys and face to face, right? So that would be the visit mysticalmindsconvention.com. Okay. And I will see you there on February 19th and 20th. And that is in San Jose. Thanks. Okay. Work's done. Tonight, our guest, John Kachuba. John has written a lot of books on the paranormal, he's traveled the United States um, gathering stories and investigating. So we're going to be talking to him about, he has a book, a book out right now about shapeshifters, and that's something that I've been really fascinated um, to do research on over the years. And I've, I've only run into one uh, shapeshifter in a house in Dixon that we did an uh, investigation in. So I'm really uh, excited about talking with John. So let's get into this conversation with John, because I see he's in the green room. And here we go. Hi, sir. Hello. How are you, Charlotte? How are you? Doing good. How about you? I'm good. I'm really good. So tell me about you. You, I see you've written a lot of books. Yeah, <laughs> I have. I'm just trying to adjust the uh, little technical difficulties. I'm actually on my phone, which I had not expected to be on. But uh, I had a ghost in my computer, apparently, and uh, didn't allow me to log in. Um, yeah. No, I've I've been doing the uh, I've been involved in the paranormal world for quite some time, probably the last uh, well, class of twenty five years or so. Uh, but I'm really a writer first, you know, and a paranormal investigator second. 
So um, my first couple of books, my first several books were actually about ghosts and ghost hunting, mm -hmm. uh, mostly in, well, a couple uh, books in Ohio where I live, uh, as well as some other books that are, you know, more nationwide in scope, um, a couple state books as well. My most recent book, as you mentioned, is Shapeshifters, which came out in 2019. And uh, I'm, I'm pleased to say that it was a finalist in the Horror Writers Association's Bram Stoker Award for Superior Achievement in Nonfiction. So um, I was quite proud of that. And uh, I belong to the Horror Writers Association, as you can probably imagine. Uh, it's a good, good place to be for people of my ilk. Absolutely. <laughs> I am. I, mean, I was looking on you. I, I, I was on your website checking that out. And then I went to, and I thought, oh, there's, there's, he's got about eight books on the website. Then I go to Amazon and I, my eyes were bulging because you have gone to Florida. I mean, how many states have, have you looked into ghosts in the United States? Uh, the United States, probably maybe about a dozen or so. It hasn't been that extensive through the Midwest, Northeast, a little bit in the South. Uh, actually, Southwest too. Maybe it's more than I thought. <laughs> I kind of lost track. Uh, but I've also done some work, you know, uh, abroad too, um, in Asia and Europe and some places like that as well too, which is which is pretty interesting doing some work there. And uh, you know, I'm interested by that because that's something that you know I've been wanting to. I've been, I've been doing ghost hunting for almost 20 years, and I've been wanting to take some of that stuff and put it into a book. In fact, I started a book, but I never really finished the book. You know, because I was just thinking, you know, I've I wanted to go up and get pictures of different things, places where we've been and whatnot. So looking at, at the places you've gone, it just, it fascinates me, you know, that, that, that you've been able to do that. Yeah. And there's, um, there's no end to ghost books. I mean, uh, you know, my, my, my eight or nine ghost books, I have other books that have nothing to do with the paranormal, right. uh, a couple of novels and things like that. But my, um, my ghost books are just part of a huge, a huge library of ghost books that are, still being churned out every day. I'm always amazed at how many new ones come out on a day-to-day -day basis. So there's room for you. So let's get it done. Let's get it done. Yeah. Um, tell me about shapeshifters. You know, I, I kind of ran into one um, on an investigation that the team did in Dixon. And it, it, it was a weird experience because, you know, one, one, one second it's this, the next, you know, the, the, the next minute it's something else. And we couldn't figure out at first, you know, whether it was two different, entities or what we were dealing with and we finally came to the conclusion that it was a shapeshifter so tell me t tell me tell everybody about shapeshifters yeah well so so my book shapeshifters i have to sort of give you a caveat it's a really broad look at what shapeshifters are and it looks at them from very ancient times from neolithic times when mm -hmm. they're first depicted on the walls of a cave in france where there's a, a cave drawing of what looks like uh, they believe it to be maybe a shaman who looks like he's transforming into perhaps a deer or an elk, some antlered uh, beast. And it's amazing because I have that picture in my book. And when you look at it, uh, you notice that where we would expect to see hooves, you know, on a deer. Right. What you see in this drawing is you clearly see fingers and toes. Now, we know deer don't have fingers and toes, right? Right. And then when you look at the face, the eyes are set forward like ours rather than the sides of their heads, which would be more common to uh, a lot of animals, especially, you know, deer and horses and cows, and whatever. So um, this is believed to be a very early depiction of what appears to be a shaman transforming into a deer for hunter. They call it hunter magic, 
the mm -hmm. idea of being able to transform yourself into the animal that you are uh, going after. Um, now, do they physically transform? Well, probably not, but they also were under the influence probably of natural hallucinogenics, you know, from the right. environment. Uh, that combined with the shaman's rituals of chanting and whatever they would have done and drawing this painting on the wall would have put the hunters in the mindset of being the animal, the deer mm -hmm. or whatever. And if you believe that, you know, it, it makes it easier for you to actually approach them, get closer. You actually sort of develop some abilities. So, so the book Shapeshifts, I'm going off a little bit here, uh, but the book talks from when the shapeshifter character sort of mm -hmm. first appears and it's like, like i say it's neolithic times before the written word before history is recorded uh, right up to today and so what i do is i look at shapeshifters in cultures all around the world mm -hmm. and i look at how they show up in religion in mythology and folk tales um and then right up to the modern day with actual uh you know, people actually witnessing shapeshifting events or you know having encounters with shapeshifters uh right up to david ike's uh theories about reptilian alien shapeshifters you know so i sort of cover the gamut and i want to make that clear it's it's a broad range of sure. um, how i'm talking about shapeshifters even how they appear in popular culture mm -hmm. in literature movies that kind of thing well i'm just thinking um uh th th there was a lot of that belief with, with the native americans right uh, we had a case up in, and, and I can see where maybe if they were taking, they were they, they were they were smoking, they're hallucinating, you know, they're hallucinating stuff, because I know uh, one of my clients up in up in Rockland had seen, she was out in her backyard and she had seen a, a, what she what she felt was a deer, you know, but it walked like a man, but then when she thought about it, she said, well, it looked like he had a deer headdress on, and so I I could see that like when you talk about taking the hallucinating drugs. If they are hallucinating and, and and this shaman puts this headdress on, you know, and he's got the he's got the he's got the, he's got the, the fur blanket on, you know, that could be taken as a shapeshifter. Well, sure. I mean, if you saw somebody like that, uh, you know, I don't know if the January sixth riots at the Capitol if that was a shapeshifter or not there with the, <laughs> with the, the antlers. <laughs> I'm not sure what that was, but you know, you have um, the thing. It is, was a vegetarian. No, go yeah. ahead. Sorry, <laughs> right. I had right. to do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, the ahead. idea about the hallucinogenics too is, um, you know, you mentioned hallucination, and yeah. and the truth is that for these folks, uh, I don't think that they believed that they were hallucinating. I think they believed that they had transformed. Right. Um, and still, you know, that's still the belief today. In my book, I talk about uh, some people, the Bushmen, for instance, in Africa, and how uh, there you go. It's a great picture. I love that picture. Um, so, you know, the Bushmen have this principle, too, where they go into sort of a trance state and they believe that they transform into lions, tigers, almost almost any Af African animal that you see out there. Um, but they truly believe that happens. And I have some, you know, quotes in the book from some uh, some Bushmen who talk about their experiences. And they don't say, like, uh, I believe that I transformed into a lion or a tiger. They say I was a lion. I was a tiger. You know, they're very, uh, they're very clear on what they, what they were. Um, so, you know, to the average eye, as we saw them, we wouldn't see any difference necessarily. Right. right. But 
they clearly acted out as lions or tigers or whatever it was and firmly believe that they had made that transformation. Now, like you say, you went back in history. So can you see a, a change in, in how they appear or the, or the attitude towards them throughout history? Yeah, I think, well, um, I'm not sure if it's a change, but let's just say that there are hundreds, if not maybe thousands of different types of shapeshifters and cultures all around the world. If you want to go back from, you know, ancient times up. I mean, I start talking about the, cla you know, classical antiquity, the ancient mm -hmm. Greeks and Romans, and how you, there's so much shapeshifting going on in their literature with their gods and goddesses. Uh, and, and that's a different kind of shapeshifting compared to um, what you get later on, centuries later, where the shapeshifting is done more by what you would call shamans or maybe mm -hmm. witches or sorcerers, you know, people with supernatural abilities. Um, mm -hmm. Their type of shapeshifting would be, would be different. Um, there's, one, there's one common one, though, that has been around even since antiquity, and that's the werewolf. Um, okay. One of the yeah. earliest, earliest uh, stories about the werewolf is from Greek mythology. And it's a story of a man named Lycaon, who basically was challenging Zeus, who was a supreme god. Lycaon was a mortal. He was a king. But he was challenging Zeus in the sense that he thought, I'm, I'm as good as Zeus. I'm better than Zeus. I can pull one over on Zeus. So he invites Zeus to dinner at his house. And he wants to see if Zeus can guess what he serves him when he serves him dinner. Well, what he serves him is he murders one of his sons and cooks him. And that's the meal that he serves to Zeus. Well, Zeus doesn't even have to, doesn't even taste it. And he knows immediately what happened. He knows who it was and what it was. So he curses Lycaon. And by cursing him, he changes him into a wolf. And it's spelled, his name is spelled L-Y-C-A-O-N. And from Lycaon is where we get the term lycanthropy today, which, me, which is the condition of being a werewolf. So it goes way, way back to ancient Greece. Um, and that werewolf character appears uh, in a lot of cultures, um, not just mm -hmm. European cultures, but you see them even in Asian cultures and some other areas. So that's, a, that's kind of one common shape-shifting type that I think has remained sort of true through the, through the centuries and through cultures, um, which makes you, sort of makes you think, why is that one so universal? Mm -hmm. um, you know, are, have there been have there been encounters with werewolves? Uh, again, in my book, I talk about some news reports out of England as late as 1980s, 1990s, where people were seeing this huge wolf-like creature jump over like an eight-foot fence, and then on the other side, suddenly it's a man running. It's no longer a wolf. Um, so, so people had witnessed this kind of thing back in England and other places. Well, I was just thinking when you talk about Zeus uh, and all that, I mean, talk about the ultimate shapeshift. I mean, when he went in to Her Her Hercules' mother, posing as, as the father, as the husband, and then right. got her pregnant right. with Hercules. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Zeus, you know, was the, was the champion shaper. Um, I think in my book, I list maybe 12 different forms that he took in his career, you know, as God. But, um, Certainly, there were innumerable times when he shapeshifted, as you mentioned, not just into uh, into animal forms, which was typical, right. but even to a human form. 
or even something inanimate. At one time, he was like a golden rain showered over this particular woman. So, um, yeah, he was really a champion in that he can change to animal, human, intangible objects or tangible yeah. objects, I should say. This is just so fascinating to me. And I know England, yes, uh, over in Ireland and England, there's a lot of stories about that, you know, di different types of sh uh, shapeshifters. God, my mouth doesn't want to work today. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what did you see? Well, that was and, and also, too, um, I was just going to say another character is that we see in a lot of other cultures and has been around for a little while, too, is the vampire. Um, yes. Although early, early of the vampire, early accounts in Eastern Europe, history do not shapeshifters um they were they were the undead you know but mm -hmm. they they sort of fed on the more the life force than blood of living beings and they drain over years until those people die but they weren't really shifters um i think bram stoker was probably the first person in his novel dracula to talk about the vampire as a shapeshifter um, count dracula in the novel there's one scene where uh, transforms into a bat, which has been the, the uh, stereotypical transformation for vampires since then. They all turn into bats. <laughs> but he also has a scene, uh, Dracula, Count Dracula is literally climbing down the walls of his castle on the outside, head first, hands and feet crawling like a squirrel, or just all the way down this big, tall, you know, castle wall. Um, so I think Bram Stoker really captured the imagination of, of writers and filmmakers and poets and whatever, and artists after that time, who then started thinking of the vampire more as a shapeshifter, um, which is, like I said, not how they stood out historically, but how they end up today. Right, right, right. I was just going to say that because obviously, I mean, pe the people before then weren't, weren't talking about him turning into a bat at that point. I mean, it was after the fact that Bram Stoker did this, right? Okay. 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 Um, what do you see that's that, that that's a common thread between all these stories? Well, I think I think the common thread is I think it's a question: why why a shapeshifter? You know, why <laughs> what causes a shapeshifter? What creates a shapeshifter? And I think there's common threads. Out of literature and a lot of folk tales, a shapeshifter is somebody who has been cursed. You know, like we think of the old werewolf things. You know, you are cursed, and the full moon comes into a wolf. Right. So there's there's this sort of thing about a curse that has to be lifted or broken. That's a pretty typical thread. But the other one is just idea of voluntarily something on what you are. And so mm -hmm. I think of uh, like the uh, Jekyll and Hyde, you know, the novel, Dr. J the Jekyll and Hyde novel, right? You have this mm -hmm. Dr. Jekyll who is the right moral physician, you know, or person, moral thing with that. Uh, what would it be like if I off on that whole throw off my months of right and wrong, uh, the civil law, all that. I can just throw all that off and just do whatever I wanted. You know, run naked in the woods and howl at the moon. What would that be like? 
even this person had this, this to live a life. And so he creates this doctor, I mean, Mr. Hyde, who is an absolutely horrible person who murders somebody and then mm -hmm. actually takes control of Jekyll to the point where the doctor commits suicide in order to put down Hyde. So I think those those two threads. And I think, I think the second one, the latter one about being somebody else, it doesn't have to be that you're looking for something evil. But I think almost everybody may have some desire, you know, boy, if I was only, if I was only a little bit smarter, if I was only a little bit stronger, if I was only prettier, if, you know, whatever it might be, if I had this, if I had that, I think, I think we all have maybe some dissatisfaction in a way with who we are. And so thinking about a shapeshifter or, you know, indulging in shapeshifter books or watching movies, it, it's sort of a various way of, um, of sort of having a second life or a different life, say. I think that's what mm -hmm. Halloween is about and cosplay, you know? I mean, what, why do that? I, I love Halloween. You know, I dress up and for that night, I'm somebody else. I'm not me, you know? Right, right. Do you think, um, like like you say, pop popular culture has changed how we see sh shapeshifters? And when you look at movies like Twilight, we'll laugh about that one. But when you look at you can you can look at the Twilight series and how you know the, the werewolves there change as opposed to how they changed back when Lon Chaney was you know was, was turning into werewolf. Do you think that people's minds are starting to shift in a different direction about these things? Well, I think they are. And I think I see it probably more at the vampire. Um, you know, if you think of like one of the earliest, earliest, if not the earliest vampire movie, Nosferatu. Oh, God, yeah. You know, um, if you ever, yeah. Well, think of what Nosferatu looks like. I don't know if your audience is familiar, but, you know, he had long fingers that were claws. He was bald. He had protruding teeth, bulging eyes. Uh, I mean, you know, he was a horrible looking person. Yes. Right. By the time you get to Bela Lugosi's Dracula, he's still, you know, he's still kind of an evil-looking person, but he's also very suave, and he's got the, you know, the, the slick back hair and all this stuff, right? But then you get up to the modern vampire. Rich, and they live forever, and they drive fast cars, and they have beautiful houses. Um, so there's this whole metamorphosis in the vampire itself. The vampire is shape-shifting. Um, all these characters are actually shape-shifting through time and culture. Uh, and mm -hmm. it's because I think you know, culture has different values. Appeal to the masses, you have to bring those values in. So for us, you know, it's it's sex and money and riches and fame, right? So that's what the vampires are now. <laughs> it's sparkly skin. <laughs> they sparkle in the sunlight. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> And I mean, that's, there's nothing wrong yeah, with those books. Right, the, the book's fire. decent, you know. There's yeah. nothing wrong with them. It's just, it's just she, she was able, you know, she, she's changing the way we think about them. That's all. Right, and and actually, I love the fact that there is this evolution of the shapeshifter by its very nature. It's a shapeshifter, mm -hmm. so I think it's great they evolve through time and different cultures, see in different ways and whatever, you know, reflecting their own culture and their own mores. I mean, I think it's great that that happens. Jennifer says, I love Edward. Don't be hating. No one's hating on Edward. Not hating. Not hating. No one's hating on Edward. We're just, we're just <laughs> saying it's, it's, they're changing the vampire with the times. That's all. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, well, even, you know, even, uh, even, we give you the vampire's novel. 
I mean, her vampires were much different again than the old traditional right. vampire. I think all that started to change. I think a lot of that started to shift too when they made George when when they made uh, uh, Pretty George a vampire in that comedy. Oh, I think that's yeah. where it started to shift. You know, yeah, when he became a vampire. Well, you know, and you mentioned comedy, <laughs> but you know, and you've got uh, you've got the Disney films of uh, Transylvania. You know, with the um, uh, for kids, I, 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 it's not called Transylvania. It's called Transylvania. Hotel Transylvania. Anyway, I love yeah. those movies. <laughs> yeah. Hotel Transylvania. Thank you. And there's a new one out. Um, you know. Yeah. So I mean, you know, now I'm making fun of it. My my little granddaughter, who at the time was I guess she was about four years old, clued me into something called Vampirina, which I wait. I heard it's a little that. cartoon kid. It's a it's a you know, and it's and it's funny. I mean, she's a little vampire, you know, but yeah. So it evolves. I think it's great. I think it's great that it does. Jennifer says the older movies are way more spooky. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Things started. I think the change yeah. came too with Christopher Lee. When Christopher Lee started doing those movies, they got more campy, and then it just slowly went from there. <laughs> you know. Because even Bella Lugosi was scary. But okay, so we were talking about uh, vampires. We we're talking about werewolves. Um, what what and what 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 other types of yeah. shapeshifters are there? <laughs> what other types? Oh my gosh! Well, I mean, I would say you can probably name any animal in the world, and there's probably a culture that has a shapeshifter that transforms into the animal. Uh, and I mean, that's no exaggeration. There, there are were otters, there are were beavers, there were, you know, were rats. I mean, there are, <laughs> there were bears, you know, so there's all that. Um, but then, you know, I, when I was doing my ghost books, um, I was doing, since I've done some research around the world, and I really got sort of interested, immersed maybe more in Japanese ghost lore, because oh, cool. Japanese ghosts are, are nothing like what we have here their whole reason to be and what they do and how they do it and how they look is entirely different. Um, but the interesting thing about this is that a lot of the Japanese ghosts, and there are, there are literally, there are hundreds of types of Japanese ghosts. You know, here in America, we say ghost, and it, it's a ghost. I mean, we don't have necessarily types. You could say maybe, maybe poltergeist or something, but we don't really have types. But they have hundreds of different types that have particular names. And they have particular appearances. They do particular things. But a lot of them, maybe half of them, are actually shapeshifters as well, which I thought that was, you know, talk about different types of shapeshifters. Mm -hmm. Here you have shapeshifters that aren't even living beings. They're already ghosts, but they come back and they shapeshift into something else, usually a person. And it's frequently to get revenge. Um, or to seduce somebody, like we talked about Zeus before, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, but they also transform themselves into uh, just everyday objects, a water pitcher for, for right. some reason, or a musical instrument. Uh, it's, it's just strange. But so, so what types of shapeshifters are? I, I'm, I'm speechless because there's thousands. Anything can become a shapeshifter. Um, 
I think of um, is it Star? I don't know if it's Star Trek or uh, the character. I don't know if it, audience in me if it's Trek or one of those, but he's uh, he's an officer on the ship, and mm-hmm. he's a shapeshifter, and everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. I remember this episode where he asked me, this so thing that and he again into water <laughs> right well there was that other one too uh one of the star trek movies when kirk and spot or when was it kirk and uh, mccoy were in the um yeah that was the mines and wherever that was and then the woman was a shapeshifter too that's right yeah there was yeah yep yeah yep yeah it's it that, that interests me Right. But that, you know, this whole shape-shifting thing interests me. It really does. It fascinates me because, you know, it's just, it's just, it just boggles the mind that, that, cre- that creatures or even ghosts can do this. Like I said, we ran into one in this one house in Dixon. And it's shocking when, when you realize what it is because, like I said, you, you think you're dealing with two different entities. And then you realize it's, it's the same one that's just it's shifting back and forth all the time. Well, that you know, that kind of goes to the uh, Japanese thing, right? Maybe there is something to that. I mean, if it's Japanese right. lore, maybe they were ahead of the curve on us, uh, you know. Let's see, I'm just reading. Yeah. Um, now, the Japanese stuff, the, the Japanese ghost stories, I think are scary compared to the stuff over here. Just like England, you know, you look at some of the ghosts here in the United States, okay? And I'm not saying it's, it's Uncle Bob all the time or it's nicey-nicey all the time. But when you go, like, in England and you're looking at those castles, <laughs> the majority of those ghosts are nasty because, they, because something horrible has happened to them. So, you yeah. know, they're out for to, to do bad things. So, I mean, like, some of those Japanese ghost stories, I mean, that's right, what it is. Right. It's, it, they're mean as hell. <laughs> you know? I admire you for checking all that out. Like I said, Stories, are, you know, not in like Thailand and Asia. So usually, right. all the ghosts. Okay, I'm gonna. Aliens, you know, I'm gonna have you come back in the room. I'm gonna switch internet, uh, my my internet thing here because we're having issues. I don't know whose end it's on, so I'm gonna switch to another part of the internet here, and you're probably gonna have to come back in. We'll see. Just give me a second here. Oh, I don't even see why. Let's go with mine. Okay, let's see if we can come back. Are you there? I'm I I'm here somewhere. <laughs> okay, yeah. I don't know what it's just the internet seems really weird. There must be a lot of people online tonight. Sorry about that. We'll try this one. <laughs> we'll just keep finding it until we get the right connection. Um how long did it take for you to write this book? I can see you can hear you. Okay. Um, Shapeshifters, uh, the research was pretty lengthy because I did a lot of traveling for it. Uh, I was in, let me see, I was in uh, France, Portugal, uh, Belarus, Ukraine, 
Romania, where else? This in Italy, Asia. Um, it took me quite a while just to get the research done, probably probably about eight or nine months for the research. Mm-hmm. And then only maybe three or four months to actually put it together in book form. Um, did you, where did you find the information? Did you, did you have to go to libraries, do research on all that? Or, or, or did, were you able to talk to actual you know, residents of the areas? How'd that work? Yeah, the combination of, of everything. Um, certainly looking at books that are already out there about shapeshifters, what people have said. I mean, I looked at some old things too, like some 18th century, 17th century books about, you know, werewolves or vampires. So I did some really old research. Um, newspaper accounts, you know, of modern occurrences like in Africa and England and things like that. But I did a lot of travel. So I went to locations that had some uh, some connection to shape-shifting activity or legends or something like that. And sure, we talked to people that knew something about it, experts or, or you know, witnesses or whatever. So yeah, a combination of a lot of different ways of doing research. Interesting. And here's a question I had about the shapeshifters. Like, you know, in, in popular lore, of course, the, the wolfman has to be a full moon. Do shapeshifters have control over when they do they shift and they don't shift, or is it just something that happens with, like I said, like I said, the full moon? Right. Well, yeah. So, so the answer is yes and no. Uh, it depends on what you're talking about. Uh, you know, you talked about the full moon thing, and as I said a little bit earlier, there are a lot of shapeshifter stories or shapeshifter characters that are under some kind of a curse. Uh, I'll just mm-hmm. call it a curse. Or even be something uh, genetic, for instance. Um, like is a great horror writer. He's a friend of mine. He's in the Horror Writers Association. One of his novels about werewolves is called In that, is he set up that the werewolf genetic disposition that you just you are born with it. You know, it's passed down from you know, through genes. So mm-hmm. you shift, shift and do it. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've always wondered about that because, again, you know, you look at, like, again, through the history, when, like, like even with the movies and how they portray shapeshifters. And again, now, like like, like we say with Twilight now, it's a, it, it's a hereditary thing, you know, as far as the werewolves go. So it's interesting to, I got to I got to really get into this book because it's it'd be interesting to see, you know, what has transpired throughout history. That's right. Right. What do you think is one of the most scary shapeshifters? Right. So they appear both, you know, it could be it's voluntary or right. Most scary shapeshifters. Yeah. Hmm. I well, I kind of like the werewolf. Um mm-hmm. Because, you know, it, it is so close, I think, to um, sort of our, our human nature in a way. You know, when you think about generally, mm-hmm. you think about where they came from, you think about human relationship with canines, with dogs, right? I mean, we, the dog was the first, the wolf actually was the first animal domesticated. And it became the dog as we know it today. 
always a real close connection between humans and canines, you know, for mm. thousands and thousands of years. So that always intrigues me because I think in a lot of ways, maybe where the werewolf stories and lore evolved from this transformation, this, this real close connection between canine and human, which you then merge into one entity, one creature, right? That's a time human and a times werewolf. Um, and I find, that, I find that scary because of that connection, you know? I find it a little harder to, yeah, I'm off as a vampire to begin with. No. Mm -hmm. With mm -hmm. a werewolf, you start off a human being, flesh and blood like us. Then suddenly you're not something other, you're canine. Uh, and so I, th I think it's a thought. Um, no. I'm very almost. Are there any, I mean, we talked about England and some of these other places that, that have legends of werewolves. Are there any other countries that have similar um, shape, shape shifters in, in those countries? Like we talked about werewolves and vampires, but are there, is there any other, you see what I'm saying? Are there any countries that have different ones that are similar? Okay, we're going to try this again. We're shifting it again. Uh, too many people online. Go ahead. Africa. Shifting it again. Are you having a problem? Am I losing you? Are you losing me? Or? Uh, I think I lost you. Oh, it's uh, no internet secured. Okay, we're back. Are you there? Okay. God, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Must yeah, I, yeah, I, didn't, I don't think I left. <laughs> I think I've been here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at it because I, I, I have an internet. Anyway. <laughs> I have an extender for my computer, you know, for the internet. So I keep seeing the extender go go orange on me here. And that's why I know there's... There's a lot of, there must be a lot of traffic in the neighborhood, you know, with people online. Um, my, my question was, okay. we talked about the werewolf and we talked about uh, the vampire as being, you know, one of the more common shapeshifters around the world. Is there anyone, is, is there another, is, is, is there any other kind that, that you have seen that are common, but they go by a different name? Maybe, you know, throughout the world. Well, again, yeah, again, I mean, I think that uh, the, uh, the idea of, of a canine type animal is pretty common. Sure. It's common in South America, Central America, Africa. Uh, and they might be different. They may not be, be like, uh, like in the South, mm -hmm. you know, the canine animals. Mm -hmm. That's been a lot of, and again, the relationship there are nine varieties and we're close to them um mm -hmm. so it might be easy to to speculate them as werewolves interesting very interesting um now obviously you've done a lot of uh, ghost investigation around the united states which state do you think ha is, is the most active
Look at the time. You know, I live in Ohio and I wrote two books about Ohio. And mm -hmm. uh, there are, I don't know how many books written about Ohio. There's one, it's at least one about California, if not more. Um, I think it's a difficult question to answer because it's population heavy in this state that it's going to have a lot of stories there's going to be a lot of ghost stories uh you know sure, you don't sure. hear a whole lot from someplace like you know wyoming where there's i think 10 people you know uh, right. <laughs> so but um but, but i'm amazed by ohio i grew up in new england but i've lived in ohio now for probably close to 30 years and i am amazed number of stories i do a lot of speaking at libraries and universities and i'll give a talk and i'll give my favorite places or whatever and then at the end people will say to me oh hey do you know about you know bob's grill and i said no what about bob's grill and he's oh it's got a ghost well where is it right down the street you know so <laughs> like any place i go people have their own stories i'm sure it's the same thing right. in california you know it's just uh everywhere so well the thing that i find interesting is that yeah, you got you know, right and back east, though, you know, the further back east you get, the older it is. Because California, you know, we only go back to, what, 1850? But, I mean, you get into Salem well, and all the other places, yeah. and it goes way back. We're just babies back here when it comes to that stuff. Right. Well, well, sort of. I mean, you know, you had the Mexicans. Mexico was... Mexico. I think what you do is fascinating. Like I said, I just think it's incredible that, that you've written all these books. How many years have you been writing? Uh, well, I'd say probably now close to 30, about 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I went to full-time writing when I was 40, so I'm okay. 72 now, so 32 years. Okay. And, yeah. all, and like you said, you travel all like over. I said, right about... Yeah. 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 I mean, I, yeah. that's my research. You know, I don't want to take a word of somebody else. I want to go there if I can, see the, see whatever I need to see, talk to whoever I need to talk to, but, you know, do it myself on my own. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, we're going to jump back to shapeshifters here because just, that just that topic just blows my mind. Um, have you ever, on any in any investigating that you've done, have you ever come in contact with a shapeshifter? I don't think so. Um, I would probably say no. Um, most of what I've done has been you know, investigations have been uh, global. I don't want to say mm -hmm. ghost hunting, but, you know, paranormal investigations right. in haunted locations. And I don't think we ever come across anything that was a shapeshifter. Um, not to say that there haven't been, but I'm, I wasn't aware of it. What do you think of the dog, man? You think that's a possible uh, shapeshifter? I've heard different stories about that. Um, and I don't know. The only, the only thing I've heard about dog men is that they've they appear you know to have basically the kind of a canine head but a human form which to me doesn't sound doesn't sound shape-shifting as much as it's what you call a, a call it a therion it's called a therianthropic 
okay. creature, which means literally half human, half. I don't. I'm not shift. I'm saying the only stories I've heard never talk about seeing one shift into another form, but always appearing in sort of this half and half form. So mm -hmm. I don't. Know. And they could be shapes. I just have not heard any reports about somebody sort of witnessing uh, a shift, you know. So I don't know. When you talk about reports, how recent again, are some of the reports? Okay, sorry. Uh, well, in the book I have, I have some right up to, uh, oh, dogmen or? Shapeshifters. How much is general shapeshifting? Shapeshifting. Sorry, I'm balancing everywhere. Yeah, I have them up to. Uh, that's right. I think in my book I have probably some as late as uh, like 2002, 2003, something like that. Um, so yeah, there. I mean, just past that were occurring the 18th century or 19th century. Although literature seems to be full of those, um, uh -huh. but no, there's certainly modern modern accounts in India. Um, Shift one more time, guys. Let me get in. switch the internet back and forth like crazy right now. Okay, all right, <laughs> we're back. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> yeah. How many? How many? Um, I mean, I know, I know the Native Americans believe in you know in shape shifting. You know, that's the thing. But as far as the United States, you know, in, in modern, more modern times. Did you run into any reports? Into is that is that what you see? Reports? Yeah. Yeah. So as far as the United States goes, is it okay. is it prevalent in the United <laughs> I got States? A big delay here. <laughs> oh, okay, it's okay. We're good. We're good. I'll just shut up after I talk. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, we don't, don't see me too much. No, I, I, I think where where we hear mentioned just the southwest, you know, among like the uh, Apache or the people it's um they talk about skinwalkers, you know, mm -hmm. which is um basically uh they talk about being like other form. Uh, you also area and even at is like the windigo which um uh, it's hard to describe exactly what a windigo is some try consider it to be a person who committed suicide and so to them then to come along but again they're kind of a murderous kind of uh, but some tribes believe as well. But mm -hmm. you know, they have Haitian. I don't hear a lot of that. Um, it seems more of the indigenous peoples here in the U.S. or sometimes immigrant uh, groups that have been here for a while, like maybe in Louisiana, the southeast areas like that, where you have some you know Creole people. Uh, the, Leroux, 
French. I mean, it's basically a werewolf, but there's a belief sort of in Louisiana and that area too. So you get you get them in sort of among certain populations in the U.S., but it doesn't seem to be like a widespread phenomena. Um, widespread, they're not tight. How you know, or something may not be that. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Um, what what made you want to do it to to, to write a book about them? That's a laser killer. About shapeshifters? <laughs> well, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. A part of it, part of it has to do with my original research on ghosts. Uh, as you said, you know, one of your investigations, thinking it's a haunted location, you saw something, a ghost, they think, hey, this might be something different, it might be a shape-shifting ghost or a shape-shifter. Uh, I found that as I was giving talks over the years, that sometimes people, when they would tell, tell me their own stories about their own experiences, they would say something similar to what you said. And I would start to think like, well, that doesn't sound like a, just like a standard, <laughs> the of the mill ghost. Mm -hmm. It sounds like something else. So I started listening to those stories a bit more and started thinking, I wonder if, I wonder if we're talking about shapeshifters more. And I just sort of got interested in it from that point and just started doing research and then just found out, you know, just again, how were the types, all the different cultures that had it. And I said, well, maybe there's something here because it's, it's such a universal figure, such a universal character. Um, so it basically started from my ghost work. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, what do you say to people that want to go look for them? Because I know after this, there's going to be people that are going to listen to this and they're going to want to run out and try and find shapeshifters. What do you say to those people? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> My first advice would be to stay home, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it's that I suppose they can, you know, you're doing whatever, go on paranormal investigations, maybe with groups or something at haunted locations and see if maybe you turn up something there. But I don't know how you would actually, I, I really don't know how you would go out and look for a shapeshifter. I, I really, <laughs> it seems very difficult. <laughs> I, would and I just so. want to, I'm down to 10%. So I conk out. It's like, so. <laughs> Was it difficult to get people to talk to you about them? No, although um, among Native Americans, it, it's tough because the belief there is so strong uh, and they are afraid that they don't want to talk about shapeshifters being afraid that they may bring them into their own lives by doing that, you know. But for the other ones, no, I, I, I found, I did find a little mania talking about vampires. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, that was a little different because people had a little different take on it. Uh, some of them said, we don't, we don't talk about that. You know, it's just, it's, it, it, we don't believe it, we don't talk about it. But you almost kind of felt like, Maybe they do believe in it and don't want to talk about it. And then others still in Romania would say, nah, there's, you know, no such thing. We don't, we're, we're good with it. So, 
So yeah, it was Well, I know um, I was in Hungary 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago with my family. And I remember my, my father brought it up because we were staying in a town that was about thir probably about 20 miles away from where Transylvania is. And my dad had started making a joke about Dracula. And, mm -hmm. and my cousins were just the, real quiet about it, real closed mouth. They wouldn't say yeah or nay on it. But my dad thought it was tremendously funny, you know, because we were so close to Transylvania at that time. And um, so, like like you say, in, in, in the town that, that we were in, yes, some people were open about it, and others weren't. Because really, you know, back there, Dracula was Vladi and Haler. Vladi and Haler. Oh, my God. I, I was, yeah, I was in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it's so, interesting. So, yeah, when I was in Romania, I was in Transylvania, too. Yeah. And uh, I went to a lot of the sites that was associated with Dracula, you know, although we didn't really exist, right? right. But I went right. to those sites associated with him. And it's become such a commercial industry over there. I mean, mm -hmm. they make big bucks on Dracula. Uh, yeah. And, and a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of people in Romania and Transylvania don't like that, you know, mm -hmm. because, um, you know, it's sort of a take on uh, Impaler. Exactly, Transylvanian prince, and a lot of people consider him a hero because he defended that area against the Turks, against the Mongols, and everybody else. Other people think, no, he was an evil guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, when when you go over and like. Uh... This is like this is like talking to the space shuttle. <laughs> you know, somebody on the space station. This is funny. In a twisted sort of way, this delay. Um what, what do you have to say to people who who want to do what you do? Okay. All right, I'm going to switch this one more time. <laughs> this is craziness tonight. Oh, wow. Look at that. I think Xfinity just went down. I don't see any Wi-Fi. What's going on here? Yeah, he's sideways. Can't hear him. And I can't hear you sideways. I think Xfinity just went down on me. <laughs> it's going to be one of those nights, right? Um, let's see. Yeah, so the Wi-Fi just went down. I'm bringing it back. Hang on. Let me go here. This is crazy. Maybe somebody hit a pole or something. I don't know what's going on here. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, we just lost the audio. Audio feeds down. I can hear me, but I can't hear him. So, okay. All right. Can you hear me? Wave if you can hear me. Okay, he can hear me. I just can't hear him. 
Yeah, I know. It's kind of weird. The whole thing's weird. I don't know what we lost here. I'm going to go ahead and well, why don't we get you off and then I'm going to have you come back in, okay? So come back in. I'm going to kick you off. Okay. Let's get a couple minutes, see if I can get back in. Okay. Yeah, it looks like we've lost the audio for him. So I don't know what's going on. Ah, it's been one of those nights. You know what? I'm just going to wrap this up. Thank you for coming tonight. In fact, what we can do is if you're willing, we can reschedule for another night. You know, when the internet's holding up better, does that sound good? Okay. I am so sorry. I don't know what's going on. All right, John. Thank you. Yep. One of those nights. Let's get you rescheduled, though. We're going to get you on, okay? Okay. All right. Okay. All right, guys. Well, on that note, <laughs> since we lost him, we're just going to wrap that up. We're going to bring him back another night. I don't know what the hell's going on with the internet and what happened with the audio. I'm frustrated, so I'm going to have to call Comcast and see what was going on. Maybe there's a big storm back east. I know. All I know is that all at once, I think the internet completely disappeared because when I came back in to switch it again, there was nothing there. Everything was gone except for what I was on, so I don't know what the heck's going on. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for coming tonight. I'm going to get a hold of Sean and uh, apologize to him profusely. And uh, I want to remind everybody again, uh, February 19th and 20th, I'm going to be at the Mystical Minds Mystical Minds Convention. And uh, it's not only about it's all about mystical minds. You know, it's about paranormal, metaphysical, and paganism. And there's going to be a lot of great speakers, including myself, there that weekend. And one of the speakers is going to be Nazir Mohammed Chohan. Lorian Fenton, Brad Olson, Michael Fury, Drake Fury, Tiffany Turner, Robin Korak, Beth Sal Salomon, and Shannon DeFlorentino. And that's going to be February 19th and 20th in San Jose. If you, if you want to join us out there and come out and have a good time and meet with us, and uh, we're not only going to have our little talks that we're going to give, we're also going to have some roundtables where you guys can sit down and throw questions at, at everybody, and we'll answer them as best we can. Uh, that would be great, and that's at mysticalmindsconvention.com, and come you know check it out, buy some tickets, and all that because we're going to be I think we're going to be doing this in February, and in March. So remember those dates: February nineteenth and twentieth, the Mystical Minds Convention. I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. Unfortunately, we had some internet problems, and I don't know whose end it was on. It's hard to tell on this. All I know is that I watched Xfinity do, do Xfinity do some weird stuff tonight. Uh, to, tomorrow. Is a pre-recorded show that I reported uh, by by the guest uh, request on uh, Zoom, but uh, this is something that you guys got to see and hear. Uh, Matt Matthew McKay's son Jordan was murdered. Matthew McKay is a psychologist, PhD, and after after the after his son passed away, he spent a, quite a while trying to find a way to communicate with him. And he finally came up with a technique, uh, working with, with some different scientists as well. And his son, from the other side, spoke with him and wanted him to write a book about what happens after you die. And so he did. And this is what we're talking about tomorrow. And the book is called Seeking Jordan. And I think you guys will like this. It'll make If, if you've lost any loved ones recently or even in the past, this is going to make you feel a lot better about what happens afterwards. Okay. That'll be at 6.30 p.m. Pacific time normal. But it's going to be over on YouTube because we're not going to be live. So it'll be over at the YouTube site. So check check out the links on Facebook and I'll send them over to Meetup like I always do and all that. But um, 
do check that one out. It's gonna be it's it's gonna it's a really good show. You know, I'm, I'm not just saying that to get you guys to watch. I'm saying that from my heart because you know I hear I've lost this month I lost my brother and I lost my uncle and then my my dog and you know and and, the, and other things and and this made me feel so much better after talking to Mr. McKay. Okay. But I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. <laughs> this is going to be a toughie. If you like the show, <laughs> share it with five people. If you hated the show, which you probably did because of the way the internet was tonight, share it with five of your enemies. <laughs> and please, no matter what happens, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. And visit us at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. That's where you're going to find all the archives for this show. Plus the archives for our blog talk show when we were on blog talk. So um, I'm still putting that together, but you'll find those over there as well. You know, uh, <laughs> this is a perfect example of, of why I keep asking for donations. You know, I've got like the second level of internet here and uh, because we're nonprofit, you know, it's coming out of my pocket. I can only do so much. So if you could find it in your heart to donate so I can get better internet, obviously, that would be at paypal.me at California haunts. Or if you're uncomfortable with PayPal, Venmo and type in California haunts and you can do it from there. Like <laughs> every little bit helps because I'm I'm trying to upgrade everything here, internet, you know, and everything, and just like the computers and all this come out of my pocket. So yeah. But anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. And I'm going to get on the phone with Sean and apologize all over myself. But you know, I don't know what it was. We're gonna try to get him on. Maybe we'll squeeze him in next week and put an extra day in next week for a show. We'll see how that works out. But anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming and I hope you enjoyed what you were able to hear. And I will be on the chat tomorrow evening. I, like I said, I'm not going to be live. It's going to be a pre-recorded show. But I will be on chat tomorrow evening if you guys want to chit-chat. And uh, like I said, it's, it's a really cool show tomorrow. And I think everybody should listen to this. It's, there's a lot of good information coming in from, if it is Jordan, uh, about uh, life after death and what, and what transpires. Okay, guys, I will see you. I'm going to go ahead and tease John's website and... All that good stuff. We got website johnkachuba.com. And of course the Shapeshifters book. And we'll show I'm showing some of his other books for you guys. Ghost Hunting Ohio, Ghost Hunters. I'll try and like say these as they come up. <laughs> Oh, Ghost Hunting Illinois, Ghost Hunting Ohio, the second version. The Savage Apostle, Dark Entry. And we have Ghost Stories and another book on the other side. And you can get those at Amazon.com, or you can go to John's website and pick those up as well. And when you get to Amazon, you're going to see a lot more books by John as well, because I was shocked. Anyway, I want to thank you guys again, and I guess I'll, I'll be, like I said, I'll be on the chat tomorrow, but it is a pre-recorded show, so don't miss it. Matt, this Matthew McKay thing is, is really cool, okay? Thank you for being so patient tonight, and I'll see you. Bye.